All right, so uh, we're going to go ahead and jump in. We're in week seven of our Hello, My Name is Jesus series. We're almost done uh, with our series, uh, and then we're going to be starting something different as uh, we jump into April and as we're kind of getting into uh, the Easter season and all that sort of stuff. But we're still in uh, Hello, My Name is Jesus. Uh, our, our message text that we've been using, obviously, is Philippians 3.10a, uh, which is going to be up there on the screen. It says, For my determined purposes, that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. We've been talking about this for the last, you know, basically we had an intro and then for the last six weeks we've been going through some of these personality traits of Jesus, some of which that we don't talk about too often because I really believe that the more we know about Jesus, the more we experience him, the more we'll love him, the more that we understand who he is and how he lived and how he experienced life and how he dealt with people the more we're going to love him. Uh, I love talking about Jesus. Look, if, if you don't get excited about talking about Jesus, I don't know if you really know who he is. Okay, He's amazing. He's who we are trying to be like and who we are trying to imitate. We're his disciples. And so we're learning a little bit more about him and some of the things about him that, that, that fascinate me and fascinate us, uh, that, that help us understand a little bit more of who he is and who he uh, is as far as who we should be as well. And so today I want to introduce you to the humbleness of Jesus. I want to introduce you to the humbleness of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, Father, I need you. Father, I have to have your help right now to communicate these things because my words just aren't going to cut it. But Father, with your anointing and your help, you're going to change people's lives. So Father, I pray that you would anoint me, you would help me, and that Father, you would also help the people that are hearing open their hearts to what you are trying to communicate to us today about who you are. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Humbleness. We're going to talk about humbleness today. and We're going to start with this. His humbleness is shown through him becoming one of us. It shows it, him becoming one of us. Now, maybe you haven't thought about this before. Maybe you haven't looked at this before. But we're going to look at this together. It says in Philippians 2, 5 and 8a, it says this. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. And this is important that you catch this in verse 7. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges... He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. Now, I need to help you out with something because sometimes we have this idea or this thought when it comes to Jesus coming here as as a baby and coming here as a man and so on and so forth. And a lot of times we have this viewpoint that basically it was like... um, I don't know if you, you've done this with your kid, but I've done this with Easton where we're starting, he's in kindergarten now, and so he's, he's learning all these wonderful things, and he's starting to read, and it's amazing. And so we'll sit there, and we'll be doing a worksheet or something together, and, and he'll be going through it. And I'm like sitting there going, oh man, wouldn't it have been something if I, at a, as, as an adult brain and adult experiences, could have gone back to kindergarten and walked into kindergarten knowing all the things I know now? Wouldn't that have been cool? Like you walk in and the teacher's like, okay, kids, today we're going to learn what one plus one is. And I'm like walking in, oh, I know that. Oh, I got that. In fact, and and I start rattling off facts or rattling off math problems and just watching my teacher's face just drop in amazement with, oh my goodness, I have a genius. Sometimes we think that's what Jesus did. 
He came to this earth kind of like Einstein in a kindergarten class. And that's not what scripture tells us. He let go of those things. He let go of those divine privileges that he had. And instead he humbled himself to become one of us. Every part of who we are. Now, I'm going to blow your mind if you'll let it be blown. Okay? And this is one of those moments where as we talk about these sort of things, you, and we've talked about this way before, you're going to have to break down, some, for some of us, some of those walls that you look at when you look at who Jesus is. Okay? So come with me for a second, and let's talk about this. It's kind of funny. This morning, we were in the, my office, and we were with the, the, the worship team, and we are getting ready to play, and little Emily was in there. Cute little Emily. She's adorable, isn't she? You know? and, and Gordon and Alicia had her in there and she put her on the floor and she's learning to crawl. Isn't that awesome? Learning, she's, you know, I mean, you're just, you're just watching the little face, watching the discovery, watching these sort of things. You realize that Jesus had to learn to crawl? You realize that the, the God who spoke the worlds into existence had to learn to speak. Think about that for a second. The God that never sleeps and never slumbers got tired. The God that that crafted our universe and our bodies. The God who formed us from the dust of the earth had to work as a carpenter and had to learn how to nail two boards together. He wasn't cheating, guys. He didn't come here and all of a sudden know everything. Scripture doesn't show that. In fact, it shows the opposite. In every time it talks about his childhood in these things, it says he grew, he understood, he learned. I want to show you something just very interesting because it's very short and I think it'll show. John 2, 3, it says this. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. Do you realize what you just understood? I know it's just short. You probably passed over it hundreds of times. Do you realize the journey that Jesus took here? This is, this is John 4. This is, this is as he's getting ready and he goes through Sumeria. And basically we know that the trip that Jesus took here, that he took many times, is 70 miles. It usually would take two to three days, sun up to sundown, walking in the dirt to get there. And you just passed over it how many times and so did I. This is God. This is the God who can do anything and now he's walking in the dirt for 70 miles miles. Sometimes these guys, most of the Jews would actually not travel through Samaria. And it would take four to five days and it was even longer. Jesus walking. Jesus learning to walk. Jesus learning to speak. can Can you imagine what had to have been going through Joseph and Mary's mind? Think about this. Here you hit it. You are holding the Savior of mankind. And you're looking and you're saying, cup. Can you say cup? Jesus. Cup. He humbled himself to this degree. He humbled himself to this point. Jesus with drool rolling down his cheek and his chin. Now listen, some of you may look at that and go, that's disrespectful. I totally disagree. 
I believe it shows the unbelievable humbleness and love of our Savior. That he would say, you know what? I love you enough. I'll let drool run down my cheek. Think about that for a second. And then I want you to, and we'll look at this as we get a little bit later. Think about how we live our lives with the pride. We don't want anybody to know our weakness. We don't want anybody to know what's going on in our lives. But you know what? Jesus humbled himself and became like us in every way, shape, and form. And we'll talk about this in a second, but let's move on. Look at Hebrews here. In Hebrews 4.15, most of you know this verse, but this is what it says. This high priest of ours, meaning Jesus, understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. He didn't cheat. He understands. He experienced all of these things. Listen, you need to understand that. You need to get that picture in your mind. You need to remove this idea that Jesus came in here and was like, oh my goodness, I got this. I am so smart. I am so good. He learned. He understood and he grew into the man that God has called him to be. And that's important. And we're going to talk about that in a second. So hold on to that, okay? This matters for a lot of reasons, but mostly we'll talk about it in just a second why this is so important. But let's move on to number two. And number two, his humbleness is shown through his invitation to partner with us. With his invitation to partner with Look at John 1, 35 through 39. This is what it says. It says, the following day, John was again standing with two disciples. Now, this is John the Baptist, okay? As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look... There is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. So again, you get this picture here, okay? Jesus looked around and saw them. And I love this because, again, we, we see this humanity of Jesus. We see this understanding of Jesus. So Jesus is walking along, and he's having this moment. And basically, he stops because these guys are following. And he turns around, and he says, what do you want? What do you want? Why are you following me? What, what, what's going on here? What's all this about? And so Jesus says, what do you want? Move on to 39. It says, they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Where are you staying? And so Jesus responds, come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him for the rest of the day. Now, from this, we start to see other disciples being pulled in and brought in and things like that. But I want to ask you a simple question here. I love this understanding that Jesus basically has these disciples come to him. He says, come on, come on, come and see. Come and experience. We see this also when he's calling other disciples. He said, come with me. Follow me. Come a part of this. And I think what's interesting about this is I want you to think about this. Unless you're a really strong history person, I want you to think about this because I don't think anybody's going to be able to do this. Name for me one of Napoleon's generals, please. Anyone? How about this? Maybe you'll know this. I think somebody will. How about one of George Washington's generals? How about a follower of Gandhi? Any disciples of Gandhi? Anybody? Now, I know this is kind of cheating here, okay? But go with me. I got to believe if I say, can you name me one disciple of Jesus? We'd probably all get it. Do you realize how rare that is? Think about how human nature is and how human nature, you know, we don't know. Can you, can you please, and this is sound weird. Can you please tell me one of Saddam Hussein's major generals? I can't. I can do the Washington thing because I'm 
a history nerd. But other than that, you know, I don't know of any Napoleon's generals. Usually when we have somebody like Jesus, a leader of men, we kind of see an interesting type of situation. He doesn't call people to himself and elevate them to his position. He pushes them down. He doesn't want them to be a part. Here Jesus, in his ultimate humility, invites us to partner with him. Listen, I know this is going to sound weird, and maybe you'll get it, maybe you won't. I don't know. Jesus doesn't need you. <gasps> he doesn't need me. He didn't need 12 disciples. Jesus could have called down 10,000 angels. Jesus could have proclaimed it from the mountaintops, who he was and what he did. But he doesn't do that. He chooses to partner with us. Us in our, and let's just be honest, our in our selfishness and our in our, and it's all about me and our in our don't understand. And I mean, you, you start to look at the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples. I, I, listen, I'm not saying they're horrible guys because uh, they're not. And one day I'm going to meet him and I don't want to, you know, have him look at me and say, really? That was really jerky that you said this. Okay. But, you know, they did some kind of dumb things. They did some things that you kind of look at it and you go, oh my goodness, why would John and, why, why would Peter do that? Why would they say that? Well, here's the deal. Here's the dirty little secret. Okay? If we were in that time and we were those guys, we probably would have done some dumb things too. But Jesus never in all of this goes, seriously guys, I'm done. You're stupid. I'm out. He humbled himself to partner with us. Listen, you, I've had this, people, had this conversation with so many people. I can't do this because I'm not this. Listen, if God has called you to do something, he'll equip you to do it and he'll help you to do it. He'll be a part of what you're doing. And God has humbled himself to partner with us, which is amazing. The question I sometimes have for me, and if this goes for you too, that's fine, is am I partnering with him? Have I humbled myself to understand that he really, even though he wants to use me and desires to use me, that he doesn't need me. He doesn't look. Listen, when I don't obey him, okay, when I don't do what God's asked me to do, Jesus is not up in heaven. God wringing their hands goes, oh, no, my whole plan's messed up because Aaron didn't do what I asked. He's got it. But he chooses to partner with us. He chooses to humble himself and partner with his kids to make the impact that he wants to do. Look at John 17, 22. This is awesome. This is what Jesus says. He says, I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Here, Jesus is actually praying for his disciples. In some way, Jesus is praying for us. And he's praying to his father and he's saying, listen, I have given them the glory you gave me. Why does God do this? Why does Jesus? Because he wants us to be one with him. He desires to bring us close and partner with him to make a difference in the world that we live in. He brings us close and he humbles himself. Listen, he's the main attraction. He's the main attraction. But you look at our churches today. I'll ask you a simple question. Is he? Is he? I'm not throwing rocks at any particular church. I'm not throwing rocks at this one. But listen, you need to hear me and hear my heart on this. What makes a good church is not how good the pastor is. 
It's not how good the lighting is. It's not how good the worship is. It's the understanding that it is all about Jesus. All about him. When he is lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. When was the last time that you thought about a church? And again, maybe this is just us pointing our fingers at us. And said these words, you know, that church lifts up Jesus. Just think about that. Oh, that church can do this, and that church supports this, and that, hey, hey, that church has great words. Hey, listen, all that's great, fine, and dandy. It is, it really is. But this is about him, about what he is doing what he desires to do. And the fact that he wants to partner with us is unbelievable. It shows how humble he is that he comes and he says, come with me, come and see, come and see. And finally, his humbleness shown through utter dependence, utter dependence. Look at this in Hebrews 5, 8, this is what it says. Even though, and this is important, you check this, even though Jesus was God's son, He learned obedience from the things he suffered. Stop. Put everything on pause for a second. Let's just see what this just said. Jesus had to learn obedience. Jesus didn't come here and basically have it all ready to rock and roll. And he walked in like this was a cakewalk. He had to learn how to be obedient. He had to learn what it was for mom and dad to say something and him not to understand and him to look at mom and dad and say, God, listen, I'll obey. I'll do what you've asked me to do. It was something that was learned. It was something that he understood because he understood he needed God. He needed God. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. This is Jesus. This is all powerful, all everything. This is amazing. And he has to humble himself to the point where he looks at his dad and says basically this, Dad, I can't do anything without you. Think about that. Think about the the, the humbleness that Jesus had to take on here. Look at John 5. It says this in 5.19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. He can do nothing. Total and utter dependence on his dad. Wow. All powerful. Spoke galaxies form. Remember what Genesis tells us. He's there in the beginning. He creates in the beginning. He's strong. He's mighty. He never sleeps, never slumbers, never gets tired. Never, and he humbles himself and says, I can't do anything without God. Now, I want you to stop. Because sometimes we have to stop in these moments and look at our lives for just a second and, and, and listen. One of the things that Jesus loved to say, and he said it a lot, and if you look at like the King James, it would say verily, verily. Uh, if you look at more uh, um, 
modern translations, it would say, let those who have ears hear. This is one of those moments where Jesus is stopping and saying, listen, you need to listen to this. You need to hear this and you need to do some self-evaluation. Jesus here has said, I can do nothing without the Father. How do you see your life and your world? Because I'll be honest, there's things that I totally need Jesus for. Totally need God for. And there are things that, quite honestly, I think I got. I think I got. Jesus here understands that he can do nothing by himself. Nothing can be done. Nothing can be accomplished unless his father is doing it. What he sees his father do, he does. Look at John 12, 14. It says, I don't speak on my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. So not only does Jesus humble himself and become one of us, frail, broken. Listen, I don't know this. I, I just think about some of these things sometimes. And, and just thinking about this. Do you think Jesus ever hit his thumb with a hammer? You think he ever, like, as he's working... You know, because, you know, he was working probably with chisels and working with different things. We think that, that, that the understanding of a carpenter, as we look at this, was people that not only worked with wood, but with also stone. And, and he imagine Jesus working with that chisel, and he's chick, 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 or he's working some wood, and it slips, and it cuts him. Jesus had never been cut before. Can you imagine the first time that as a baby, Jesus got hungry? He'd never been hungry before. Can you imagine Jesus getting all of his stuff, heading down to the river like all of the people at the time and washing his clothes and doing laundry? He did. Jesus falling and scraping his knee. Jesus playing a game. He humbles himself to these things. It's unbelievable to understand that. To look at the humbleness of our God. That he came and he experienced that. And he did that. And he lived that way. He became one of us. And next we see this unbelievable partnership that Jesus comes. And he says, come, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. I want your name to be out there so that basically you can use it. And, and go out and make a difference in my name and my glory. We can name those disciples. Why? Because Jesus shared that glory with them. And he wants to do that today with us. So his name can be glorified. So his name can be known. And then finally, this understanding of just total and complete dependence. This idea that Jesus basically looked at his dad and said, Father, I can't do anything without you. Now, why does all of this matter? Why am I so passionate about us understanding that Jesus didn't come here as Einstein sitting in a kindergarten school showing us all up? It's because I truly believe that Jesus did these things to show us not only how they can be done, but that with God's help, they can be done. Now, just think about what I just said. Jesus came and he lived for 33 years and he never sinned. Now, obviously, we've all messed up. We're not going to make it there. But Jesus was able to do that 
Not because he had the magic code, not because he was, he was Einstein, but because he totally and completely humbled himself to God and said, God, I can't do anything without you. I can't say anything without you. I won't do anything without you. I will humble myself and do whatever you say. And because of that, God helped him and he lived a completely sinless life. Now, with that understanding, what type of life can we live if we humble ourselves to that extent? What kind of a difference can we make? And I'm not saying we'll be perfect. I'm not saying that all of a sudden in that moment, our fingers will snap and all of a sudden we'll live sinless lives. I'm just saying that we have the opportunity to be better than we are. And sometimes that comes from humbling ourselves and understanding, look, I can't do this on my own. Jesus, I need you. What an example. What a hopeful thing. You can do it with God's help. How do I know? Because Jesus did it with God's help. And he didn't cheat. He experienced all things that we experienced. And yet was without sin. That's cool. That brings forth hope in my heart. Because I look at that and I go, God, I know I'm not good at this. I know I'm not good at that. But God, I know with your help, you can help me be better. Be a better dad. Be a better husband. Be a better pastor. Be a better friend. Be a better son. Be a better employer, employee, whatever it might be. God, you can help me if I'll humble myself. Look to you and understand that you're my source. You're my help. You are who I need. If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. As I was putting this together over the last couple weeks, I was trying to figure out, you know, how to, not just how to close the service, but how to kind of bring us to a place of, of, of action and, and, and a way to kind of help us understand a little bit more. And, and I... I and it was kind of funny because, you know, I'll work on things for a while. And then I, I don't know if you're like this, but I got to take a break. You know, I got to like step away for a little while. So I was working on this message, I think, a week ago or two weeks ago. And um, I was kind of putting some ideas down and trying to figure out how I wanted the thing to flow. And I just kind of hit in a roadblock. And so I kind of stepped away and I came in here for a little bit and prayed. And then I, I went back into the office. And... Um, like I do sometimes, I thought I'll kind of see what's going on in the world. Kind of take a moment to kind of step away and kind of see what God's saying. And, and I began to, and it was just kind of crazy, all the, the stories. And I was going on different uh, websites and like some of them were news and some of them were other things. And, and um, I, I think that, through, you know, God was kind of speaking to me through all these weirder things. And, and it kind of came to my realization that, that we as a culture and we as a church and we as people, we really do have a humbleness problem. When you begin to look at, um, even, and and I'm not going to get into this, okay? If you want to talk about it later, and I'll bore your your brains out if you want. But even even how we view the world and science and and so many things, all of this is is such a me-centered thing. I got it. I can handle it. I mean, even, even in the way that, you know, and this kind of sounds weird because I'm all for this and all that, but, but even in the way we as Americans value independence, which, which isn't a bad thing. Don't misunderstand, you know. But, but, but it's almost like the, the motto of our culture and our world today is, I got this. I got this. And, and listen, I love you, but hear me. Hear my heart here. You don't. 
You don't. I don't, you don't, nobody does. Listen, here's how this works. Some of us are just better at fooling everybody than everybody else. And I'm not saying there's certain things you can't do and you can't handle. Okay, don't misunderstand me here. But listen, you, you don't got this. And that's not a knock on you. That's not a harsh thing on you. You were created that way, okay? If that makes sense. Maybe that's a better way. Maybe that's not the right way to say it. Maybe, let's put it this way. Because of our sin and our rebellion, we became this way. Maybe that's the better way to say it. We need God. Jesus, listen, hear this. Jesus understood his need of his father. Jesus understood and humbled himself to the point where he said, I can do nothing without him. Nothing. Now, that's strange because I know what the word nothing means. And I know my life. And I know there are certain things that I'm pretty convinced, God, I got it. In fact... There's been certain things in my life that God has tried to put his hands on. Now, just, just, just hear how silly your pastor can be. Where God will begin to put his hands on something that belongs to him. And I'll look at my father and I'll say, God, hands off, that's mine. I got it. Give her that moment with your kids where they thought they could do it. That, that, that's a good way to get your house like really messy really quickly, okay? I, I got, I can do it. I can do it. I can, and look, I think that's good to encourage our kids to, to do those things. But you know what? There's some things that as great as my kid is and as great as your kid is, they aren't ready for and they can't do. What kind of a father would I be if Easton said, hey, dad, listen, I, I, I play with Hot Wheels all the time. I got me a remote control car that I can drive around the house. I think I'm ready to drive a car. What kind of dad would I be? I'd be like, here you go, son. Throw in the keys. Hit it. You're good. First of all, he can't reach the pedals. But listen, sometimes in our lives... We get this thought that we got it. And then we get so angry with God when he doesn't throw us the car keys. When really, his love keeps us from getting in a car and hurting somebody else or hurting ourselves. Jesus understood this. He got this so clearly. But do we? Do we get it? And what we tend to do is we tend to run to so many other things. Well, this is going on, so I'll go do this, and this will help, or I'll go do this, and this will help, or I'll I'll talk to this person, and this will help. Listen, listen, those things are fine. But I'm just going to be honest with you. They aren't going to fix it. You need Jesus. You got to have him. You got to submit to him. You got to go to him and say, Jesus, I messed it up, or God, this is all mess. I need you. Will you come and help? Will you come? Will you, will you do what only you can do? There's times in Scripture where Jesus was at that point where he just calls out to his Father. 
And basically, in so many words, says, I can't do this without your help. With your help, I can do it, so I need you. When was the last time that was the prayer that you had? Because, listen, not that God doesn't listen to every prayer, because I believe he does, but God loves to respond in our weakness. He loves to come and be strong and say, you know what? I got it. I got you. That's such a beautiful thing. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, today is not the day of, I got it. Today is not the day of, I got this under control. Today is the day where we know and we understand, Jesus, I need you. God, I can do nothing without you. What an unbelievable example that we have. And what hope that we have that we can do it with God's help. Because we have an example of a man who did it. And it was awesome. So Father, we come to you right now. And God, we, as hard as this can be for us sometimes, Father, we need to come to a place where we realize that it's all about you and we can't do this without you. Father, sometimes we, we go through moments or seasons where things are hard and, and, and we may run to a, a parent or a friend or even, even a pastor or a book or a hobby or whatever it might be. And Father, those things can be helpful. But Jesus, we need you. Let our first stop be on our knees in front of you. Let us understand that the example that we have of Jesus is one of complete and total humility. One where he left the very splendors of heaven to be born in a feeding trough filled with who knows what. That's our Jesus. That's the example that he has given us to follow. He understood that he could do nothing without the Father. And Jesus, I pray that you would help us to understand the same. We need you. So we submit ourselves to you. Father, for those that are going through times of difficulty or times of joy, it doesn't matter. We submit to you. We look to you and we understand every good and perfect gift comes from you. We understand that you can do nothing without your help. But with your help, all things are possible. All things aren't possible with me. But all things are possible with you. So we humble ourselves. We break free of this generation's call of, I got it. I'm in control. I don't need anybody. And we understand that we are totally and completely needing of you. We need you in every aspect of our lives. Every part, we need your wisdom, direction, understanding. We need your love, your mercy, your grace, your patience and your peace, your kindness, everything. We need you. So Jesus, will you help us? And Father, for those that are right now, in this very moment, that Father, that they would begin to surrender, that they would name that thing they would say, Jesus, I need your help in this situation, or I need your help at work, or I need your help in, in, in how I handle my kid or my spouse or, or my boss, whatever it is, Father, that we would begin to run to you. 
For you are our source. You are our strong tower. And with you, we can accomplish whatever you set before us. But without you, we will fail. And we will not accomplish what you've asked us to do. So we give it over to you, Father. We give it to you. We love you.